All right, well, good morning, Trace. How are we doing this morning? How's everybody feeling? Everybody doing good? Everybody doing all right? I want to say welcome to those of you in this room, and I also want to say welcome to those that are watching online today. And one of the things that we've been learning is that many of you right now that are watching online, like this is a part of your discerning process. And so uh, what you've been doing is watching videos to see if this is a place where you want to come, if this is a place where you feel like that you can belong. And so if that's you today, and that is you watching, uh, I want to talk to you, but I also want to talk to some of you in this room that maybe have only been coming for a couple weeks. There's something that I want you to know this morning, and it's this. Your story is safe here. Your story is safe here. Regardless of how it reads, your story is safe here, which means your biggest mistake and your deepest regret is safe here. Your anxiety and your depression, it's safe here. And maybe your divorce or whatever it is that you're, is, is following you into this room this morning, it's safe here. And I don't know what else it could be. Maybe there's something that you've actually had in the past that's disqualified you from feeling and experiencing the love of God. And so whatever that is, I want you to know that your story is safe here and nothing excuses you or disqualifies you from the love of God in your life. And so uh, for those of you that have been coming for any amount of time, like you know this is true. You know this is the kind of culture that we've created here, uh, that this is a place where you can belong before you believe. This is a place that truly welcomes you to come just as you are. And because many of you that have experienced that, like you've been inviting people into this place because that's been your experience. One of the favorite things that I get to do every single Sunday is stand outside and greet many of you, but my favorite part is when I meet someone who's coming for the very first time. And when I'm talking to them, I often ask them a question that sounds something like this, hey, how did you hear about us? And when they tell me that one of you invited them, man, it just blesses me. It blesses my soul. It really does. And here's why. You likely invited them because you've been experiencing some life change in this place. And because you've been experiencing that life change, you become motivated to change others' lives. And so you've been inviting people to come and experience what God is doing here at Trace Church. And because of your invitations, I want to celebrate something with you really quick. Because of your invitations, last week we actually surpassed our highest uh, regular Sunday attendance. We have had over 600 people with us last week. And so, yeah, we can celebrate that. And you need to know this about us. Like The reason we celebrate that is because we believe that every number has a name. Every name has a story, and every story matters to God, and that includes your story. Now, I want to celebrate one story with you really quick that I thought was uh, just a really cool thing. I wanted to share it with you this morning. Uh, last week when I was preaching, um, I kept like my eyes kept finding this young lady who was sitting over in this area, and she was just a broken mess. She was crying the entire time, and I didn't know if it was because my sermon was that bad or if God was doing something. Uh, in her life. And I didn't get to meet her, but then something happened. On Thursday, I'd had a meeting scheduled with another young lady, and we were just talking about some ministry opportunities. And she had let me know that she invited a friend last week. And she said, yeah, my friend was just crying through the whole sermon. And I said, I think I saw her. Like she had you know, short brown hair. And she said, yeah. And I said, yeah, my eyes kept finding her because I couldn't help but to see that God was just doing something, kind of wrecking her in that moment. And she goes, well, then you need to know that on our way home, uh, she wanted to talk more about Jesus, and we actually pulled the car over, and she accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior for the first time. Yeah, we can celebrate that, because every life change for Jesus is worth celebrating. Well, if part of your story is represented in that young lady story, meaning if you come here, man, you just find yourself broken. We're all broken. We're just in different forms of brokenness, aren't we? But if you find yourself just kind of wrecked, and you're not really sure about all of this still, I want to let you know that you can sit and soak here. You can sit and soak here as long as you need, but as God brings nourishment to your soul, we do want to invite you into a more meaningful purpose. 
And one of the ways that we've defined that meaningful purpose in the past is by having three things that we want to invite you into. We call them our three asks here at Trace. We want you to get in a group. And you need to know this. You were created for Christian community. In other words, you were meant to do life with other people. You were never meant to do life alone. And so we want you to get in a group because we feel like you're going to find more meaningful purpose there. We also want you serving on a team. You were created for a purpose and on purpose. And a big part of that purpose was to serve God's church. And so we'd love to, for you to get on one of our serving teams here and use whatever gifts God has given you to make us better. And then we want to invite you to invest in the next generation. And hear me on this really quick. All we have, guys, is a little bit of time and a little bit of opportunity. That's all we have. We have a little bit of time and a little bit of opportunity. And this life is not about us. And I think one of the best ways that we can use our little bit of time and our little bit of opportunity and leverage what influence we have for the sake of God's kingdom, I think the best way we can do that is by investing in the next generation. I really do believe this because the next generation is not the church of tomorrow. It is the church of today. Can I get an amen on that? And so we want to leverage our influence and invest in this next generation because they have a lot of challenges in front of them. Sound good? All right, well, today we're kicking off this new series called Killing What's Killing Me. And over the course of this series, we're going to be talking about things like the comparison trap. And in a few weeks, I'm going to be talking about anxiety and worry. Uh, but next week, I want to invite you specifically to come back next week because I'm going to be talking about this chatterbox in our minds. In other words, those whispers that the enemy is feeding you that is creating a false narrative about who you are or who you think others think you are or who you think others are, there's always these small whispers, and we call it the chatterbox. And next week, we want to crash that chatterbox and make sure that we're not believing any of the lies that the enemy is feeding us. But for our time today, what I want to talk about is this right here. And there's still time to leave if you don't want to feel convicted, because I think you probably know where this is going. But today I want to talk about this, and more generally speaking, and more specifically speaking, I want to talk about the role of screens in our life and how they're potentially affecting our lives. We're also going to be in Mark's Gospel today, and so if you have your Bibles with you, feel free to turn them open. We encourage you to bring your Bibles every week, whether you read it on a phone uh, or you bring a physical Bible. We're going to be in Mark chapter 1 and in chapter 4 today. So let me begin our conversation this way. I love technology. <laughs> I absolutely love technology. Like on this graph right here, uh, I would definitely be on the early adopters, if not close to the innovator side. Like I want the latest, greatest everything. And so right now I've uh, created some connections where I can speak into my watch and I can change the temperature in my house right now. And I can speak into my watch and I can unlock the front door. My office is right on the other side of this wall, and so I can actually turn the lights on in my office and off my office by saying this, hey Siri, turn off office. She takes some time sometimes. Right there you go. So the lights in my office just went off, but they're having a prayer meeting in there right now, so we should probably turn them back on. If not, they're going to think the Holy Spirit is at work and doing something more than they thought. Hey Siri, turn on office. I really don't think anybody's in my office. I'm just being silly. Guys, I love it. I love it. I love technology, but I also hate it. How many of you would agree that you have a love-hate relationship with this right here? Just raise your hands. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of crowd participation this morning. Yeah, me too. You see, it's amazing what this little guy can give us access to, but it's also scary what it can give us access to. This saves me time, but in the same breath, it also consumes my time. It helps me to be more organized, but it also makes me less available. 
And yes, as an early adopter, like I do want the latest and greatest everything, especially if it's an Apple product. Sign me up. I'll take it. Whatever the next one is, I want it. But there are also times where I want to get rid of every single screen in my house. And I've got three TVs, three computers, three phones, and an Apple watch and a pear tree. I don't know how to you know, say that. And one of the reasons why sometimes I just want to get, I just want to get rid of it all because having, being a father of four and having four kids in the house, I can see really quickly how staying connected here leads to a major disconnect here. And so we've been really intentional in my home, especially here recently, to put some boundaries in place. And let me be clear about something. This is not a sermon to make you feel guilty about having a phone or using screens because as our world becomes more and more digital and screens become more of a necessity, we get it. I mean, sometimes these things are more of a necessity depending on the job that you have. So the conclusion to this sermon won't be for us to grow beards out and move to Montana and live in a yurt, even though that would be appealing to some of you. And I need to also let you know that I probably need to hear this sermon more than I need to preach it. But I do have a clear motive this morning. And my motive is twofold. I want to help you this morning to see the risks that come with having this at our disposal anytime we need it. And I also want to help you to put together some clear boundaries in your life to make sure that this doesn't consume you because it will consume you. This little portal to an endless abyss of information will begin to consume you and maybe even control you, which is why this subject finds itself in our series, Killing What's Killing Me. But to begin, can we kind of even the playing field? Is everybody up for some crowd participation this morning? Because I feel like we need to even the playing field. How many of you would be willing to admit that your phone has interfered with at least one important relationship? Just raise your hand. Yeah. How many of you have ever answered an incoming message or a notification or alert when you had somebody that was actually talking to you at the time? Just raise your hand. How many of you have been there? Yeah. And then how many of you would say that you know, like right now, you know that using this less... Using it less would bring more value into your life. How many of you guys feel that right now? Yeah, okay, so we just even the playing field. One of the things that got my attention on how this was becoming unhealthy in my life was when I began to experience moments differently. Give me a second and I'll explain. There are times in all of our lives where we experience moments. And so with four kids, there are a lot of moments that come around my kids' lives. Maybe it's a vacation. Maybe it's just me being out in nature and there's something beautiful in front of me. And what began to happen is I began to see those moments through the eyes or perspective of those that would be seeing it on my social media feeds. And so instead of actually just being in the moment and experiencing the moment, I was looking at it through the perspective of how others were going to see it when I posted it. And friends, I think this is dangerous and I think it can become very unhealthy. I think all of us would agree that devices and Screens have drastically changed the dynamics of our society, including our families and our friendships. But today, what I want to help you to see, maybe something you haven't thought of before in the past, is how these little guys are also affecting our faith. In my preparation for this message this week, I did a lot of research. And much, if not most, of the information that I found about how screens are affecting our society it was incredibly disturbing especially when it comes to this next generation. But I don't want, I didn't want, and I don't want this to be a sermon that's filled with information and statistics because you can look all that stuff up later on your phone. 
Instead, what I want to talk to you about this morning and something that I really do want to help you to see is how screens are potentially affecting our souls. And that may sound like super spiritual, but it really isn't. And by the time we're done today, I think you're going to be in agreement with me. You see, although these little devices allow us to be just a touch and a swipe away from endless information, I actually don't think it's information that we're often running to these things for. I think more often than, that, than not, we're actually running to these little devices for some validation, right? I mean, how many people have liked my last selfie? Maybe we're just needing a distraction from some of the pain in our life, and so we just consume ourselves with an endless abyss of information. And just like alcohol, gambling, and drugs, we start to go back to this because when we go back to it, we get this little sense of fulfillment. It gives us just a little bit of pleasure. And scientists are now showing, like alcohol and drugs, and what was the other one that I used? Uh, gambling, yeah. Like alcohol, gambling, and drugs, uh, when we use these things and we get that little sense of fulfillment, that little sense of pleasure, our brain is actually secreting something. It's a neurotransmitter called dopamine. It's a chemical in our bodies, and your body can become addicted to that. This is why people go back to alcohol and why they go back to gambling and why they go back to certain types of drugs, because they like the way that it makes them feel. And so now our brains are physically, like physically and physiologically even, becoming addicted to these little devices because of the little shots of dopamine they give us which is also why you can actually become addicted to this. Like, you can literally become addicted to this device. Some of you maybe have even experienced this, and this will kind of prove my point even more. They're now calling something, there's something now called phantom rings. And what that is, is in your pocket, you start to feel a buzz, but your phone is not in there. Your brain is telling you that you're getting a buzz because it's began to, it, began, it began to get addicted to that, those dopamine shots. And so you feel that phantom buzz. How many of you guys have ever felt the phantom buzz when your phone wasn't even, yeah, it's too late for you. Like you're too far gone. I just need to let you know that. I think we would all agree that our dependency on this device is growing exponentially, which is why when we lose it, like when was the last time you lost your phone? We're like flipping chairs and couches and throwing kids aside. Where's my phone? It's like all of a sudden we become Liam Neeson. I don't know where you are but I will hunt you down, and when I find you, we will be reunited. No, I can't do Liam Neeson very good, but that's, it's almost like we become Liam, <laughs> Liam Neeson. This past week, I read a quote from a high-level leader, and I'm not going to share his name, <clears throat> but I read a quote from a high-level leader that admitted that he was addicted to his phone. And it was sad what he said, but I do appreciate his honesty. Here's what he said. He said, I'm forced to be, if I'm forced to be alone with my thoughts, that I'm forced to deal with the emptiness of my life, so I fill my life with noise. Guys, I honestly believe that this is a reality for more people than what we realize, at least to some extent, and it could be a reality for you. So let me ask a set of rhetorical questions, but very honest questions that I think we need to wrestle with this morning. What happens to us when we reach for a device to escape our emptiness, to mask every dull moment with scrolling? What happens when we keep looking for comfort in a screen? To help build this point, uh, what I want to do is I want to share with you a parable that Jesus uh, taught on in Mark chapter 4, and I'll set the context. He was talking about a farmer sowing seed. Some of you are familiar with this. And he said, as the farmer sows seed, 
or this, the seed's going to fall on four different, in four different areas. Some seed's going to fall on the path, and because there's no soil there, the birds are going to come down, and they're just going to snatch it up really quick. Some seed's going to fall in rocky places, and it'll begin to grow, but because it can't really develop a root, then when the sun comes up, it'll scorch it and burn out the plant. And then some seed's going to fall along thorns and weeds, and when the seed grows, the thorn of the weed will grow with it, and it will choke out the plant, not allowing it to produce any grain. And then he said, some seed will fall on good soil, and it will produce a really good crop. Now, when his disciples heard this, they didn't exactly know what he was talking about. So later they're like, Jesus, can you, can you like help us understand exactly what it was that you were saying there? And so he does them a favor, and he, <clears throat> excuse me, he takes them a layer deeper. In Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 14, he says this, Their farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and he takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, because of their faith, they quickly fall away. And unfortunately, I'm seeing this happen more and more with Christians today. Verse 18, still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But don't miss this, the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and this next phrase is key, and the desires for other things. And the desires for other things come in and they choke the word, making it up fruitful. Stay with me. Because my guess is that you've never really thought of it in this way, but couldn't we agree this morning that oftentimes, not always, listen to me, not always, but oftentimes when we pick this little guy up, it's because we have a desire for other things a desire to fill the empty space and the voids in our life, not with our Heavenly Father, but with a device to find some pleasure from our pain, not through the Holy Spirit, but through a device to find validation or meaning in the mundane, not from our Maker, but trying to get lost in the abyss of information that will just allow us to escape from maybe our emptiness. Friends, when we attempt to fill every bit of empty space in our lives with a screen, I think, listen to me, I think it has the potential to slowly squeeze out God's word and God's whispers in our life. And just like the weed that grew up with the grain and choked it out, this has the potential. Again, I'm not trying to make screen Satan this morning, okay? But it has the potential. When we do this, this has the potential of slowly weeding out our love for God and replacing it with a desire for other, thing, other things. And friends, if I know anything about our maker, based on a couple decades of studying him and wanting to be used by him, here's what I can tell you. He wants to be the one who validates your life. He wants to be the one that fills the empty spaces of your life. Not a device. And he has something to say to you. I promise you, he has something to say to you. But when we feel every empty moment, every single aspect of void or empty space in our life, when we're filling it with this, it is going to become next to impossible to hear the voice of God in your life. And I need it. I don't know about you, I need it. And let me be clear, God doesn't need empty space. Like God doesn't need that empty space to speak into your life. But if you're anything like me, you need that empty space to make sure that you're listening. I want to solidify this point even further by reading to you 
another passage from Mark's gospel in Mark chapter 1. And in this particular setting, again, I'll set the context. Uh, Jesus is in Capernaum, and he's walking around, and he's healing people, and he's casting out demons. And it says that evening came, and I'll pick up in verse 35. And it said, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. And he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place. He disconnected from everything else that was going on, and he prayed. Simon and the companions went to look for him, and they found him, and they exclaimed, Jesus, like, everybody's looking for you. Like, we got to get you back in the city. There are lines forming. Like, people are ready to be healed. People are ready to have demons cast out of their loved ones. Like, let's get back in the game. Jesus replied, Now let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, to the next city, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. I want to suggest something to you this morning, and this is huge. It's as if in this moment, Jesus needed solitude. He needed to disconnect. He needed some empty space. Jesus needed some empty space with God to be reminded of his greater mission. Because what he was doing is important. I mean, guys, sometimes it's not that what we're doing on here is bad. Sometimes what we're doing on here, maybe we think it's productive. Maybe it's productive. Sometimes we replace what we think is busyness as being productive. It's not always the case. But what we're doing on here is not bad. So I'm not trying to say that what we're doing on here is bad. But even Jesus potentially needed some empty space in his life to allow the Father to remind him of his mission. And just a side note, the things that we often make urgent are almost never the most important. And sometimes we make things urgent, but it's like, oh, I got to check my post. I got to see what's going on. I got to see what's happening in their life. What we sometimes, oftentimes make urgent is almost never the most important. So don't miss what I'm about to say next. If Jesus needed solitude, if Jesus needed some empty space to be reminded of his greater purpose, of his mission that God had put him on to preach the kingdom of God in those cities, who are you and who am I to think that we can navigate through this life without it? Who are we to think that we can actually live out our purpose and to hear from God and to do what it is that he's called us to, his will, not our will? Who are we to think that we're going to be able to figure that out when we're not giving God any space in our lives to speak into that? But maybe you didn't come to church this morning to be convicted, right? I mean, we don't really want to be convicted, and so maybe we should just spend some time scrolling. You guys up for some scrolling? I mean, let's just spend some time scrolling. Let's see what we can find in the abyss of information. Let's see what, what we got here as we scroll. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Come on. This makes us feel better, right? Look at her go. Watch as baby Ella breaks it down to a Jonas Brothers hit in the Let's keep scrolling. Let's see what else we can find. And then we land. Oh, man. The church trailer got stolen. And I don't know about you, but there's a special place in hell for people who steal church trailers. No, I'm kidding. I don't I'm really am just kidding. But some of you have asked if we found it. No, we didn't find it. Pretty sure it's gone. Yes, it was stolen. But let's keep scrolling. And then we see something like this, and it's like, oh, man, that's kind of cool. Like with the hurricane down the Bahamas in Florida, there's trucks just, you know, hitching up their boats and taking off and saying, maybe we can go help. And so they go. And so, but let's keep scrolling. Let's see what else we can find. And then we get to this. And this little four-year-old has leukemia. And this is his sister rubbing his back as he's puking from the effects of chemo. But we don't want to feel depressed and down, so let's keep scrolling. And then we see this, and these two little boys, and there's no sound here, but if you could hear it, they're like, friend, and they run from as far as possible to give each other a hug. And it's like a little black boy, a little white boy. This is like bridging the racial divide as we speak, and so that makes us feel good. But let's keep scrolling. 
And then we land on this. And I'm loosely connected to this young man, 30-year-old pastor, uh, very influential around our nation, started a, a nonprofit organization called Anthem of Hope, and it was to bring awareness to uh, depression and suicidal thoughts and anxiety and just mental illness in general. And this past week, he took his own life at 30 years old. And he <clears throat> left behind two little boys, beautiful little boys, beautiful family. And while I'm on the subject, uh, this past week was Suicide Awareness Week. And I want to let you know a couple things. Number one, and you've heard us say things like this before in the past, it's okay to not be okay, but don't stay there. I had some hard conversations with some people this past week, and I want to encourage you that if this is something that's like a part of your story, this is a safe place and you can come let us know. And we don't have all the answers, but I promise you we will connect you to the right people. It's okay to not be okay. Don't stay there. So why do I go through all of that with you? Stay with me because I really do believe this is a takeaway point for somebody. We went from a baby dancing, and this is kind of how this goes when we get on here and we just start scrolling through the abyss of stories and information and what's happening in other people's lives. In less than a minute, we go from a baby dancing with a french fry that makes us laugh to a young man committing suicide and leaving his family behind. And what happens if we're not careful? is we will become desensitized to the real pain around us. And we don't allow ourselves time to deeply feel. And that is not good. But I do believe there's hope. And I believe we can actually redeem the screen. In other words, as you're looking at what, what's happening in other people's lives, you know what? You can slow down. And when you see a little baby dancing, laugh. That's good. Joy, that's good. Like, invite that. And then maybe when you see boats going to help you know, victims of people that are experiencing this horrible hurricane, maybe you can think to yourself, God, is there something, like, should I, should I like, give a donation to the Red Cross? Maybe if nothing else, just pause long enough to allow myself to deeply feel because people have lost everything, including their family, you know, loved, loved ones in their family. And so maybe I can just offer a prayer on their behalf. And then we see this little four-year-old boy with leukemia. We don't scroll past that kind of stuff. We stop and we pray for him and we pray for his family and we pray for God to do a miracle in his life and to heal him. And then we see these two little boys run together. Yes, allow that to like fill you with happiness and maybe it does help you to think about the racial divide in our nation and how maybe you can do more than you already are doing. One of the things I honestly, I've said this to many people, one of the things I hate about living in Colorado Springs, it is so white. This is the whitest city I've ever lived in, in my life. I wish there was more diversity. And my hope is that this church becomes a lot more diverse than even our city is. And then we land on things like Jared and the fact that he took his own life. And I'll say this unashamedly, we land on things like that and they've got a GoFundMe page for Jared right now to help pay for his funeral expenses and help his family out. Go give to it. Even if you don't want to tie to our church today and go give that money there, do it. Go give to it. Make a difference. But don't keep going so fast and scrolling through life to where you don't even allow yourself to deeply feel. You can redeem the screen. So what I want to do now is I want to, I want to close by getting incredibly practical and giving you some takeaways, some things that I really do hope that you'll put in place. And just so you know, I'm fully ready to implement these in my own life. 
So I want to share four things with you. Number one, you need to create some space for God. You need some solitude. You need some space in your life that you're allowing him to speak in your life. And again, it's not that he needs that solitude to speak into your life, but you need that space to make sure that you're listening because I promise you, your heavenly father has something that he wants to say to you. I want you to develop some stopping cues. This is interesting. You see, before we ever had the smartphone, what would happen is we would read, read a newspaper. And when you read a newspaper, there's a stopping cue because it comes to an end. We would read a magazine, and there's a stopping cue with a magazine because it comes to an end. We would watch a TV show, and you couldn't you know, binge watch TV shows at this point in time. And so you'd watch a TV show, and it would come to an end. It was a stopping cue, and you would have to wait until the following week. With this right here, there are no stopping cues. And so I think to make sure that you're using this in a wise way and having healthy like parameters around it and your use of it, you need stopping cues. You, and maybe that stopping cue for you is a certain time at night. Maybe it's when you walk through the door of your home. Maybe it's every time that you gather with a meal with someone, like this doesn't even show up on the table and it doesn't make you more spiritual to turn it face down. Like, like get rid of it. Don't even bring it into the restaurant. Don't even bring it to the table. There's got to be some stopping cues because if not, if not, there is an endless abyss that will begin to consume you and you'll keep going to it. And you potentially could already be to some extent, physically addicted to it. And then the last thing is I want you to stay present. You know how we stay present? This is like incredibly complicated, so just stay with me. You know how we stay present? Ready? We look up. We look up. Parents, we wanted to take this a step further with you today. And so while you've been in here, uh, your child, if you have a child, and Trace Kids, they've been making little boxes. And on those boxes, it says, I'm worth it. And they're going to bug you about this now. And so be ready for that. And i got to be ready for that. And the idea behind these boxes is that you'll put it in your office somewhere, maybe. Maybe you put it somewhere where you'll have to go to a different room and you put your phone in the box because they're worth it. And again, let's, I don't want to act like that there's not some exceptions here. Maybe you need your phone from time to time based on your job or whatever that looks like. Just don't bring it out of that room. And so if that box exists in your office, go into your office, do whatever you need to do, drop it back in the box and then come out because they're worth it. They're worth it. And so what we're encouraging you to do this morning, what I'm encouraging you to do this morning, find some solitude in your life. Develop some stopping cues. Set some boundaries. And look up. Stay present. Just look up because they're worth it and you're worth it. Let me pray for us. Father, uh, this is one of those messages that there's a lot of things that could happen. I think everybody in here probably has witnessed that there's a lot of truth to what's been said and there's probably some things that they feel convicted about and we can easily just walk out of these doors and keep doing the same old thing. But God, if we get one year removed from today just doing the same thing, then we really can't expect any different results, right? I mean, Father, I think we should know that if nothing changes, nothing changes. And so, God, would you penetrate the depths of our soul and our life and make us see that this actually is becoming a bigger problem than we think? And so, God, would you help us to see whatever stopping cues that we need to put in place, whatever boundaries that we need to put in place, because even for some people in here that struggle looking at things that you don't want them to look at, maybe there's a filter they need to put on their phone so they can no longer look at those things. God, that you would just convict each and every person in this room 
for what they need to do, because it's going to look different for each of us. But God, I pray that we take this seriously. Because in the process of us looking down and being consumed by a little device, we're missing out on the people that you're putting in front of us. And so God, help us to see the importance of looking up. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.